Well, I want you to just consider with me as we are prepared to enter the scriptures together today, what it would be like to have actually walked with Jesus. What do you think you would experience if you were with him through all of the different experiences the disciples had? Because that's, in essence, the way we want to live. I want you to consider, can you imagine being around his teaching, just listening to what he has to say, whether it's in a moment walking along a road or whether it's actually in front of a lot of people as he teaches? And he says things like, blessed are the meek, for they'll inherit the earth. And you go, that is weird and crazy, but I'm drawn to him by what he says. Or things like, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, and that is not how we live, is it? Like, his teaching just had to be transformational to mess with our minds and hearts. And I go, I wanted, I wish I could have walked and just listened to him say it and ask questions. Think of other things that he taught. He taught things like, if you want to be a leader, you're going to be a servant. Where we know, and this is true today, our leaders are in charge, and they're hierarchical, and they have more, more benefit and more say in life. And he's saying, no, no, it's the opposite. You lead in a different way. And he made statements like, if you want to save your life, you'll lose it. If you try to lose your life, you'll find it. In other words, when you live for yourself, it'll lead to destruction. When you live for me, it leads to life. It doesn't make sense, but man, don't you hear teaching like that? Go, I just wish I could have sit with him and know him and actually walk and be impacted by his life in my life. I wish, and now we're not even getting to the things that are crazy wild. I mean, Okay, you're with them, and there's all these people, 5,000 of them, and you've got no Chick-fil-A nearby or no other restaurants, no Mickey D's, nothing. And he says, oh, just bring a little bit you have, and he prays, and it's more food than they could ever imagine. Now, don't you think that would have been incredibly amazing to be a part of? How about you're sitting in a boat, and the water is overwhelming you, and you think you're going to die, so you wake him up, and he goes, hey, be still, and everything stops. Oh, come on. I'd like to be around that, wouldn't you? I'd like to be around Jesus in that. And that doesn't even take us to his healing. Can you imagine sitting there when he looks to one guy, he's got a shriveled hand, and he goes, hey, stretch it out. They stretch it out, and the whole thing's restored. And those are just time after time. Oh, you can't see? Let me put some mud in your... Oh, now you can see. It's a new day. The blind see. Oh, you can't walk? Get up. Oh, my goodness. I just watched someone walk that I've known, and they've never walked before. I would like to be around that. Oh, and people that are oppressed and demonically filled, you just say, come out and never come back. And they're restored to who they were meant to be. Tell me, we don't want that. Oh, I would like to be around him. I'd like to live in proximity to that. I would love to live in the presence of Jesus where he described a kingdom that's upside down, where those that are trying to be lifted up and trying to exalt themselves are brought low. You know that's what he did with the religious leaders, don't you? They really thought we are better than everyone else. And he said, not so much. And then he took the people that were most lowly, that were most disdained, and he brought them back up. He showed the love of God for them. I want to be around that. Wouldn't you want to be around Jesus knowing that's who he was? Let's take it to the cross. He's being crucified. And you know what he says on the cross? Oh, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I, oh my, I want to be around that. I want to be around him in the moment when he says it's finished and everything changes and the earth shakes. But you know when I really want to be around him? When he rises. <sighs> Can you imagine looking back? He'd been telling them lots of times, hey, I'm going to die. It'll be three days. And they just didn't even get any attention. Hey, Jesus, like one of the times he tells them that, they go, hey, who's going to be the best? Who's going to be the closest to you? Like, don't get anything of what he said. We just think it's going awesome with you and we'd like to be part of that. 
I mean, that's, that's Jesus. So does it ever bother you? Can you imagine? And this is the question I think we ought to pose. Why didn't he just stick around? Why doesn't he just stay present so we can have that proximity? And really, that's the question we're going after today as we look at the Holy Spirit. What does it mean? Why would Jesus go away? Does it really fit a plan? Because wouldn't it be nicer if we could just all hang out and walk around with him? I mean, I'd like that. Any show of hands? Yeah? Well, I thought we would. Good. The other ones of you, something's wrong. (laughs) No, I want us to take a look. And we're going to go into a section of Scripture right now that is kind of his last time, his last hours with his disciples, with the people that he was closest to that were with him. They're going to be the ones that lose out on his presence. And I want to just give you a simple principle to understand before we get into this, the way of God, because we spent, our first week we looked at the Trinity, the idea of God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, each uniquely uh, person, and yet one collectively. Something that we made clear, you have to have childlike wonder, it doesn't make sense. We're good with that. If you, don't, if you want to look more about it, go back to our first week, because we got into a lot more detail. But this is kind of a simple way to think about how the Trinity operates. Jesus reveals the Father. So you'll see this, and we'll see a little bit of it today, but when Jesus is on the earth, he's regularly saying, when you see me, you see the Father. John, who writes about it, says that that literally the word is made flesh, that we get to see who God is by seeing Jesus. So everything of who Jesus is and who we point to in him always will reveal God the Father because that's what Jesus does. He even says, I only do what I see my Father doing. And that's the way Jesus speaks about the Father. Now, in the same way, the Holy Spirit reveals Jesus. And this is where we're going to look more today at because we're going to hear how Jesus portrays this. It's one thing for me to write it. And remember, we asked the question, okay, why didn't Jesus just stick around? So let's hear what he has to say about that, because really, he's going to answer that with his own closest followers the night he's about to be betrayed, and he's going to go off the next day to be killed and crucified, and all that follows will follow. Now, in the section we're in, it's an area where he's hanging out in this room with his disciples. They've just celebrated Passover together, and he's teaching them. They're getting to sit and here's teaching. Now, kind of preliminary to this, we're in John chapter 15, in case you wonder. The scripture references will be on the screen. But during this time, uh, he's telling them just before, listen, the world hates me. And they, and they get it because they've watched it. They've watched people say, one minute, be the king, and the next minute, we want to kill him. They've watched it go back and forth. When Jesus heals Lazarus, there are a bunch of people that love it, and they follow him. There's a whole other group that set out a plot to kill him. Now, that seems backwards, but I want to be really clear Jesus is making a statement to us. Listen, it all sounds good, but not everybody's going to like me. They're going to hate me. And he says, the world hates me. He defines it as kind of the system outside of him. And this is then what he says. When the advocate comes, John 15, whom I send, I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, by the way, that's the Holy Spirit, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And also you must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. Now, this actually is a good picture of what I'm talking about. So we see that the Father sends the Spirit, also that that the Spirit goes out from the Father. We see the connection between Jesus and the Father and the Spirit. We just see it in here. Again, we've been very clear from week one. We know this is impossible for our minds to comprehend, but that doesn't mean it's not true. It just means it's wild. And we never want to forget this. I always, whenever I, I'm, I'm in these things, I always, it's so funny, I always think of the Grinch, and I know you don't care, but I'm telling you anyway. So there's a scene in one of the Grinch, the Grinch movie where the Max, he thinks he's 
he tricks Max, he throws a stick and Max, it's not really there. And, and he goes, I'm smarter. That's all he says, I'm smarter. And I think we kind of operate life that way. Like we, we try to figure all this out, I'm smarter. I can figure this out. You go, no, we're not. If it's true that God is the creator and God has done what he does, all we know is what he shows us of himself. And can we just agree it could be bigger than us? That's where I want you to go as we continue on this. So he's telling us the spirit comes out and the spirit testifies about me. Remember I said the spirit reveals Jesus. That's exactly what he's saying here. And in case you don't know, the idea of testify is not like we typically think about it. When we hear testify, we think of court. At least I do. And in fact, in my first job as a social worker, I used to have to testify regularly in these cases that were related to kids that had been abused and just horrible things that happened. I remember one time in particular, I had to testify on the stand, and this would happen every once in a while, but I was on for five hours. Five hours of testimony. And about three hours into it, I got a horrible leg cramp. And it, have you ever had that where it seizes up and it's just excruciating? So I did what any very calm person would do. I stood up and started screaming, ah! which was its own demise and struggle because you're humiliated by it. And guess what the court reporter's doing? <laughs> like, I actually wondered, what do they type when you're going, ah, ah, Well, you may not know this. I got to find out because one of the attorneys thought, hey, let's print up the whole testimony for other reasons. But I, of course, found that page and what, what did they write? Yeah, they wrote, ah, ah, my leg, my leg, ah. It really hurts, ah. Could I get some water, ah. All sorts of things. <laughs> oh, man, what a memory. What a horrible memory. That isn't really relevant to what I'm going to tell you, but I just wanted you to know because it was pathetic. So what does, happen, what does happen when you testify, though, is the lawyers go through it, in my case, and they're reading for anything they can pick apart to try and unravel what you're saying. That's what their job is. Now, when we hear testify, I think we think of God the same way sometimes. We testify, but we also think God is kind of out there to look at everything we do and kind of take it like, I'm going to pick this apart. That's my, well, the way I do this. That is not what that means at all. Testify is, it comes from our word. We use the word martyr now. It literally means to witness, to give witness to what we've experienced. So when it says the spirit testifies to who Jesus is, to experience it means the spirit knows Jesus by relationship. They're connected God is one, remember, intimately knowing. So testifying means I am giving witness to the fact of our relationship and what that looks like. And then, by the way, Jesus says that we're to do the same. That's what he tells his disciples. You've been with me from the beginning, and your job is to testify. Thad talked to us about this last week with the idea of the Holy Spirit's role to help us, help other people be pointed to Jesus. But by testify for us, it again means we experience knowing him, not knowing about him. Let me clarify what I mean. So I testify all the time to my knowledge of my dad because I grew up in close proximity and eventually I in adopted some of his ways of life because we were so close in connection. Some of them I'm not proud of, some of them I am. Like one of the ones my dad always taught us because he had nicer cars uh, was you park far away from other cars and never leave someone near you because they could dent your car. Do you know, I still did that for a long time and I realized I don't have nice cars. I don't really do this anymore, but I did it when I had nice cars or drove nice cars because I adopted the way he lived. I, Dennis Jackson was our pastor here before I was and I was in a role under him here and learned from him. There are many things I do in my life 
that just from proximity of relationship have become part of who I am, I bear witness to that by how I live. Do you know who the most impacting person in my life, though, has been, if I look over my whole life, is my wife. My wife, Jane, because of who she is and our living in proximity, I testify of who she is by how I live because when I hear people talk or go into circumstances, I know how my wife feels and thinks of things, and she helped, has made my life different and be more aware of other people that I carry that and I testify by how I live towards them with her life in mind. Does that make sense? You get in the picture? Now let's extrapolate that to Jesus. What Jesus is saying is you will testify, you will give witness to who I am by how you live because you know me. Not you know about me, you know me. And let me make a distinction because religious people know about Jesus. There are many people around the church and even in the church who can tell you all sorts of things from scripture and know who Jesus is, are experts on it. They're, they're like, I'll, I'll use this for somebody that, for, for a lot of our, our guys around here that might know. I, I'm curious how many of you would uh, do fantasy football or something like this one sports. And I bet you know all sorts of information about lots of players. That's knowing about. And we have people in the church that know about Jesus. And you know what knowing about does? It tends to make us think we're better than others because we know more. It elevates us and we lower other people. That's different than knowing, which is we actually are being transformed by him and becoming like him in how we live. Knowing about, we tend to elevate and become arrogant and self-righteous. Knowing, we're humbled and transformed. You get in the picture? I just want you to get the picture because this is what he's saying to these guys here. Hey, guess what? I want you to testify because you're with me from the beginning. You know me. I want you to live out what I've been in your life. I literally want this to change how you live. Now, I want to take this from here because we're looking at the Spirit's role to reveal Jesus. What's that mean for us? Why would Jesus leave us? And let me take you back to an earlier part of what Jesus is saying to them in the chapter before John 14. And here he says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. That's the same word he used in 15, in case you didn't see it. The advocate will be there to help you and to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world can't accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Now, right here, this is really all we need. We're going to keep going because I just like to keep telling you more. But this is powerful already. He's describing the Holy Spirit as an advocate. The word you might have heard if you've been around theological camps is the paraclete. It's the Greek version of this. But advocate is someone who's championing for you. So to go back to a legal picture, an advocate is someone that's got your best interest and they're doing everything they can to plead your case and help you forward. I think we often think of Jesus as out to get us. And to look at our testimony, like, what can I pick apart and how can I blast them for this and that? By the way, that's called condemnation. The difference with conviction is when Jesus sees something that's hurting others or us or destructive, he wants to advocate to help you change it, not to just call it out and help you feel horrible. Conviction says, I am guilty. Condemnation says, I'm ashamed. The advocate's here to help us. I mean, isn't that great news? So, so why did Jesus go away? Well, part of it's so that we have his very presence to advocate for us everywhere all the time. I mean, that, that's the picture. Isn't that cool? Oh, my goodness. Did you know that God's very presence, which we believe lives in you, is there to help you? To actually help you. It's not like, oh, no, well, if things don't go too badly, maybe. The Lord wants to help you in life. 
And Jesus is saying this to his early followers. He's here to help you. And then he makes it clear the world can't accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. I think this is important for us to realize, not, not just that the world is this way. I think we can be this way. You know, we can't see the Holy Spirit. We literally can't see him. And, and in some ways, we could know about him and not know him. And so what happens is, even in our Christianity, we're not sure what we think. Oh, the Holy Spirit, that's a great idea. Yeah, somewhere there, somewhere in my life. Don't think it makes a difference. I had one friend, one of the worlds I lived in in my early life of the church was a camp that believed God, they would say it this way, God gave us a mind, just use your mind. Kind of like God is the watchmaker. God set things in motion, and then he stepped back and goes, well, you figured out, don't do something stupid. Use your mind. And that's not at all what Jesus said. He said, I came, I died, I rose again, and I'm giving you my very presence because you need my help, and I want to help. It's not up to you. I want to be here. Maybe for some of us, it's actually believing this. You see, I know it's not new for me to tell you this. I think it could be new to go from here to here. And get into here and here and all everywhere. Whew. Like I want us to be saturated in this, not have it as a nice idea. I, I hope you're getting the picture of what I'm saying. I, I struggled because I, I think this may be the most important part of the six weeks, and yet it would be something you can pass over and go, well, yeah, I, I'm, whatever. I kind of know that. I'm not sure what I think about this. For some of you, it might be, I don't think I'm worthy. I don't think God would ever want to get close to me. I go, it's not true. And God cherishes every single one of you exactly as he made you. Some of you think, you know, this is just as good as it gets. It'll be a struggle. I'll never have any proximity. Not true. God wants it to get better and more specific and close. Some of you think you're just awesome and God's fortunate to have you here helping him. And I hate to tell you, but you're just wrong. That's why Jesus says he's going to take the mountains and make them low, and he's going to take the valleys and raise them up. And in case you don't know, Jesus was hard on the religious people. He wasn't hard on the, on the culture. We're all so busy blasting everybody for how wrong they are. And Jesus was busy walking into them, loving them back into the place of good living and new life. We don't need to know about him where we think we're better. We need to know him where we know he's great. That's the difference. We know who he is. I just don't want you to miss, we know him, he's with us, and he's in us. I always think it's, it's so funny, I mean, and I know it's weird for people outside of faith. So you think God's presence lives in you. That's weird. Yep. But dude, it's awesome. And I'm not saying I'm God. I'm saying God wants to help me because I'm a broken, messed up guy that needs him. And he didn't just say, I'll be around. He said, I'll be with you. I'll be in you. I'll live through you. It is just so, so cool to me how he moves and what he wants to say and do in and through us. Now, from here, let me take you back to where we were. Because I told you, he said he's going to send the advocate. He then is, gives a section in John 16 where he starts telling them, listen, life's going to be tough. Now, I'm not sure they're ready to hear it, but he says to them very simply, you're going to have a tough situation. i got to warn you because you're going to go into places like these religious places you were loved, and you're going to be hated, and they'll even kill some of you and say that they think God's behind it. 
which, by the way, that happens a lot of time in the stories of Jesus. I was just in my reading this morning, and uh, I'm in John, and it's a section where this man who's born uh, blind gets healed. And the, the religious leaders are mad because he got healed on the Sabbath. Uh, isn't that just sad? I, I know he healed him, but it was a Sabbath. That's just, that's not of God. That's wrong. And they're so mad that even after the guy says, I don't know why you would think he's not of God. He healed me. God doesn't let sinners get healed if they're not doing it right. That's how God moved in that time. And then at the end, though, it says they kicked him out of the synagogue. Like Jesus is just warning his disciples, just because you follow me doesn't mean it's going to be good. It could be really difficult for you. It could be hard for you. But then he says this, and this is where we get into the why. I want to tell you this very truly. It is for your own good that I'm going away. In other words, it's a better plan for me to rise and go be with the Father than me just sticking around. Unless I go away, the advocate won't come to you. But if I go, I'll send him to you. In other words... You can have me be around you, or you can have my presence in you. Which do you think is better? You realize the resurrection and the ascension, which is Jesus going to be with the Father, is the best thing that could happen because now his very presence can be in us instead of us just walking around with him. Like, like that's what we believe. You understand that. We actually believe that makes a difference. And then Jesus is clear about the Holy Spirit's voice, and I won't, I'm just paraphrasing, but he says, listen, there's three things the Holy Spirit will do. He will make clear that what I am saying is true and that I am really God. And he says it'll come through sin, it'll come through righteousness, and it'll come through judgment. That's what he says. And this is what he means by this. He says it'll come through sin and that the world will continue to try and do things on their own and they won't believe in me. In other words, we basically will believe that, listen, if we're going to do a good job, it's up to us. And he's saying it's not up to you. It's because I actually die and my death pays for sin that's why the temple curtain tears, by the way, because it moves God's presence out from being hidden to being present. And he's saying, we don't get that. The Holy Spirit's to help us get that. And, and I want you to understand, that happens in the church, too. I've, been, I've ended up having a lot of interactions with people who've been somewhat uh, disheartened by the life of the church. Particularly, this is true in younger adults. But when I ask questions, almost always what I hear is they think Christianity is about people trying to do better. Like they miss the idea that they think it's up to them. And they've never really understood forgiveness or never really understood how God wants to be involved in our lives. So people in the church, we cannot get it. But outside the church, we say things like, this is just how we are. Stop calling things out. Never, never confront anything. Love people exactly where they are and never ask for change or transformation. It's all good. But it's only good if we agree with it. And it's not true. So Jesus says the Spirit will help us understand sin. It will help us understand the mess we're in and our own brokenness. And I'm the first to go, listen, I got lots of brokenness. This isn't I get it all right. This is I get to know God's love more through my own brokenness too. Then he says the Spirit comes related to righteousness. And the way he describes it is Jesus is going to be with the Father, which is a way of saying Jesus actually is God. He's going back to the Father. By the way, in case you don't know what Jesus does all the time, it says he intercedes for us. That's an advocate in case you don't know. That means he's watching our lives and going, oh, move in this. Oh, help them with that. Oh, God, Father, do this. Oh, like he's actually championing for you. He wants your best and wants you to be changed. He gives us a spirit and goes, I'm also interceding. Oh, come on, is that not amazing? Like this is even while you sleep in case you don't know. Jesus is still awake and still going, I'm, I'm, I'm for you and I'm moving and I'm praying and interceding for you. 
One of my favorite images in scripture is this image of the these angels gathering bowls of the prayers of the saints. It says they bring them to the Father and he takes like a lightning and throws them down and moves. Like that, that is just an awesome picture, isn't it? Oh. Jesus is doing that for us. Righteousness. It means he's the one that will bring justice. He's the one that will make things right. It will come through him. He's saying that's what the Spirit helps us understand. And then the final one, condemning, or this idea of judgment, it says the enemy, the devil, is condemned, meaning Jesus' actual death and payment of sin and Jesus' resurrection and new life is the Jesus' reclamation, the reclaiming of the very earth and the creation to bring a new way of life through us. And by the way, guess how we're made new? Through the Spirit. Oh, come on. Now you may have thought sin, righteousness, and judgment, and that sounds kind of theological, but I'm telling you, it's awesome. And that's what he's saying in the midst of this. Now, after he tells him this, he makes one more statement. Hey, there's, too mu- there's more I'd like to say, but you can't even bear it now. And, and it hit me as I was reading this, thinking of how Jesus is so gracious. He doesn't simply try to go, you need to be trained in all of this so you get it for when it comes. He says, guess what? I'm going to give you my presence when you need it. Because some things you just can't prepare for. I'm sure any of you have been through any struggles in life, you understand you go through things you cannot prepare for. And sometimes I find myself worried about what might come because I'm not ready for it then, but I miss the fact that Jesus gives us what we need when it comes, not ahead of time. I wonder how many of you here are going, you know, right now my life is so overwhelming that I just feel like it's Groundhog's Day. Every day is the next day and the next day and the next day, and it all looks the same. I'm just running so hard, I'm spinning. And I don't know when it's going to ever slow down. And what you need is the Holy Spirit in that moment. But Jesus is saying, I want to give you my presence in that moment. You can't bear it ahead of time, but when you need it now, I'm here. Maybe for some of us, you're living with lots of pain and doubt. Maybe life didn't turn out the way you thought it would. Maybe you're going, Jesus, this is not what I expected. And he wants to give you what you need now in his presence in the midst of that. It's such a help to me to realize he gives us what we need when we need it, not as a download ahead of time that we'll just get it when we want it. You can't be prepared. God meets us when we need need it. And by the way, this is a principle for the church too. You know when we need each other is when life's difficult. You know the best thing we bring is being present. It isn't having the answers. It isn't fixing it. It's just going, guess what? You're not alone. I'm here. And that's what Jesus is saying, the same way. I just love that. I don't think you can bear this, but I want you to understand that there's more to come. And this is then what he says. When when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He'll speak only what he hears, and he'll tell you what is yet to come. I love this picture he gives us of the spirit as our, our, literally our guide in life, that the Holy Spirit wants to lead us, to guide us through it. And so what it begs the question to us is, How do you learn to actually have the Spirit lead you? What does it look like for the Spirit to speak to you and to guide you? And and I want to be clear. I do not want to pretend or play games on this. Over over the course of the last couple of years especially, I ask a lot more detailed questions of my friends and those that I'm in closer relationship about what their own connection to the Lord looks like. Because what I found in the past is whenever you ask that, people are like, well, I should read my Bible more. I should pray more. And they feel a lot of guilt and shame that they're not doing enough. But we never really ask, how do you actually hear from God and how does he lead you? Which is the question we should ask, by the way. 
That's what we want to know. And I, I want to be honest about it. There's lots of times we don't know and we're not sure. Let's start there. Let's not pretend that we know if we don't. But let me give you some pictures of ways I've seen it and the way I ask other people and they discover it. So, so what I find is God speaks through thought, that sometimes he gives us an understanding or a mindset, and God just, we call him like a whisper, but it's just the idea that you get a thought, and you go, oh, I want to learn, is that God? Because God speaks that way. Oh, God speaks in dreams. Sometimes I have a dream, and that makes sense. He's saying something to me in that. Oh, is that true? I want to I hear that. Sometimes it's through things we feel when we enter a room. God gives us a sense of what's going on. That's how he speaks to us. Sometimes it's in clarity of direction as we ask him to speak. There are lots of ways he prompts and whispers and leads, and our job is to both learn alone and together what that looks like. I I love talking to people that are not Christian that have come to a service because they often have experiences where I can tell God's speaking to them and they don't know what to make of it. So I'll have something like this. Well, what was it like for you this week? You know, I don't know what it was like, but man, I just felt peace when I was in the room. Something different happened even while I was singing. I'm going, oh, I think that's the Holy Spirit going, hey, I just want you to know I'm here. I'm going to give you peace in a storm. Or I've had people that will, they'll feel deep emotion. I'll have people that come out and they go, man, I don't know why, but when I come, I cry. Now that, unfortunately, sometimes they're like, I don't want to come back. I don't want to cry. I'm not going to cry. I don't want to see me cry. And we turn the lights down pretty low. I don't think people can see you cry, but whatever. No, I don't tell them that. Here's the deal is sometimes we're in pain and in an environment, the Holy Spirit's just going, let me comfort you in the pain. That's how God moves. Sometimes God gives us understanding of something we've been confused on. I remember one couple that came and he was diagnosed with a terminal illness and she had no openness. She just thought the whole Holy Spirit thing was weird and crazy. But as they're worshiping, she felt Jesus' arms come around the two of them and just hold them. And it was enough for her to go, God's here. Can I just tell you the Holy Spirit wants to guide you? And how about if we begin to actually pursue and want to understand that instead of pretend or make it something less than it really is? Jesus explains this further. He says, listen, the Holy Spirit's going to glorify me because it's from me that he'll receive what he has and will make known to you. In other words, what I said at the beginning, the Holy Spirit reveals Jesus. You want to know if it's the Holy Spirit talking to you? If it's pointing you to Jesus and helping you understand and know him, it's the Holy Spirit. When it's adding these other things, well, I'm supposed to do that. Well, they're wrong about this. Well, I, I mean, I look at all the things we are fighting over, and I go, I'm sorry, that does not point me to Jesus. You're just not getting it right. That it's a guide for us when it points us to Jesus and we receive who he is and has for us. And then he says this, which clarifies what we said at the beginning, all that belongs to the Father's mind, that Jesus is saying, I come from the Father, the Father comes from me, we are one. That's why I said, the Spirit will receive from me what he has made known to you. Told us earlier that Father sends the Spirit. This is the crazy mystical stuff that you can't fully explain, but it's cool. See, Jesus reveals the Father, the Spirit reveals Jesus. It's very simply what we're saying. Here's what I want to give you, though. I can say it and go, I hope it makes sense and I hope it connects. But I want you to learn how to do this. How do I learn to actually be led by the Spirit and hear and respond to his guidance? And here's the simple way we start always, and it's always foundational and central. We learn how to listen to the Spirit as we read Scripture. Now, make no mistake, we can read it in a way that we don't get led because we can read it for information or content. That's all we do. I got to read. I got to know what this principle is. I got to do this. We read it for revelation. We don't read it to know about Jesus. We read it to know Jesus. Like that's what we're reading for. And so I want to give you a simple thing that I think will be helpful, a simple guide, which is as you begin to read, anytime you read, say, help me to know Jesus more. 
Help me to know Jesus. Help me to know his mind, his heart, his emotions, his ways, his will. What if you and I read and just want to know Jesus? And we want to relate to him. What if we want to ask the Holy Spirit for that? Now, now here's the part, and I'm going to give you a simple step in this. But if we're not willing to open the scriptures, we will not learn to hear the voice of God the same way. This is what helps me think about it. So I've had opportunities to travel around the world for different things that we do, what Thad mentioned earlier with the great parts we are. And I remember specifically one of my first trips was to Russia, and uh, we had to have translators at everything because we didn't know how to speak Russian, obviously, and they didn't, most of the people didn't understand English. So the translator had to do everything to help make sense of it so we could communicate. Now, if I was going to live there, I have to learn the language, don't I? So guess what the scripture is? It's the place we learn the language of Jesus and we discover his presence. That then when we go out, we can begin to discern and hear him in other areas. But if we don't do this, we can't get there. Like, I wish I could tell you, oh, I know you don't read scripture. Don't worry about it. No, it's not okay. It's not okay. You want to be a follower of Jesus? You're going to have to read scripture. And I don't even mean it negatively. I mean it as a positive. You want to actually learn to hear the Spirit and be led by the Spirit and get to know Jesus, not about Jesus? You're going to have to read Scripture. I should say it this way. You get to read Scripture. Because that written word reveals the living word. And that's what we want. So here's simply what we did. We started this a couple of weeks ago. We gave you a reading plan, which is through Luke and Acts, which literally is one of the four accounts of Jesus and then the account of the early church. That's what it is. We have it on allshores.org slash Holy Spirit. Listen, if you didn't start this, I don't want you to be the achiever. It's like, oh, no, I'm three weeks behind. I got to get all caught up. Not interested in you catching up. You got behind, not worried about it. This takes you five months. Just start. What if you just started at day one and you said, Holy Spirit, help me to know Jesus? And you know what? There are going to be days you don't, you don't get anything. It's going to be dry. The first chapter is all this whole beautiful thing of a, of a genealogy. You're going to be like, I have no idea why I even read that. Now, maybe the Holy Spirit will lead you into something. That's okay. Let's take day two and keep going. And let me remind you too, this is not meant to just be alone. When he says, I will send you the advocate, that's a plural statement. It means to all of us. Do you know that, that what we learn to, to be led by the Spirit is individually and together? Some of us, and this is very true in our day and age, we think it's just me and Jesus. So we do it alone and we think that's how I learn to hear the voice of the Spirit. Guess what? You're missing out on us together learning. And then others are like, I only do it together. I don't do it alone. And you are missing out on a ton. Like I have two groups right now, discipleship groups I'm leading. And then in my own relational world, both with staff and my family, in places I do this, I learn every time I'm with someone else and we're wrestling together with what the Spirit's saying. And they get something and they get something and it all works together and we even course correct through it. We need alone and together. I just don't want you to miss that. Here's what we want you to do. We want you to start this plan. We gave you a clarity on what to ask for. You can ask for how's the Spirit working because that's who we're learning about, how we're learning. But I want you to remember it will always point us to Jesus. So you're just going to ask, how can I know Jesus from what I'm reading? And make it knowing, not knowing about I hope you're getting the picture for what I'm saying to you today. I want to pray for us with this in mind. And I want to pray, especially if you're somebody who's not following Jesus, that you'd respond today. Because here's the, this is the reality. I, I would like to say it softer, but I can't. The Spirit will not live in you if you're not following Jesus. So you might get some promptings and leadings, but you're not going to get... I've seen this over and over again. People, they'll read the scriptures and they don't make sense and then they follow Jesus and suddenly it's like, oh, it's awakening up to me. So I want to encourage you to respond. 
And then for those here who'd go, you know, I've kind of said God's distant, and this is as good as it gets. This is better. How about if you just said, I want more? Let's pray. Lord, I ask you to meet us in this place at this time. I do pray for anybody who's not following you. Lord, would your spirit prompt them? And I just pray they'd say, I want to follow Jesus. I want forgiveness. And I want you, Lord. And ask, I ask your spirit to fill them. I pray for those who've lived with kind of a distant mindset that they don't think you can be close. Would you break the lie and let them discover your very presence and whispering life? And I pray for all of us, God, that we would grow as your followers in being people that testify to who you are because we know you, not know about you. I pray this in your name. Amen.